I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is created on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nations and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. I extend this respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples connected to each of the hundreds of countries around so-called Australia. I acknowledge and respect their living connection to country, relationship with the land and all living things, extending back to tens of thousands of years. I also acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Law, the podcast. I am Rose Inglis, founder of Rose Tinted Law and your host. RTL is a professional development platform for curious and open-minded legal professionals. This podcast is a space to have honest conversations about legal careers with people who are boldly carving out their unique place in our profession. Noel Lim is boldly carving out his unique place as CEO and co-founder of Annika Legal. Founded in 2018, Annika is an innovative not-for-profit that provides free legal services to people who would not otherwise be be able to access those services and it's powered by law students who want to need legal experience and might not be otherwise able to find it and it's funded through universities. The brilliant idea for Annika Legal was born at the Global Legal Hackathon by Noel and a bunch of his uni mates. After a series of successful pitches at various hackathons and then securing some funding, Annika Legal was established in February 2018 with Noel as the CEO. Incredibly, this is Noel's first role out of university. And how Noel got here is a really incredible story of teamwork, passion, and taking many, many, many small steps. And in this episode, he talks us through them all. As you will learn, Noel has been influenced by the concept of effective altruism. Now, I've left some show notes if you're interested in exploring this concept of effective altruism further, but I wanted to bring this concept to your attention because it's a really interesting way to view your career. So effective altruism is all about considering how you can create the most amount of good in the world in the most effective way. Effective altruism views your career as a key driver for creating better social outcomes. You have 80,000 hours in your career, 40 hours per week, 50 weeks per year for, say, 40 years. That's a huge amount of time. Viewed in this way, you realize that your career is not only a major driver of your happiness, it's also probably your biggest opportunity to have a positive impact on the world. So how can you best spend those hours? Noel is a super interesting superstar who has considered this question carefully. I hope you enjoy listening to this honest conversation and it helps open your eyes to the limitless possibilities as to where your legal career may take you. This episode of Rose Tinted Law is proudly brought to you by Clarence. For more than 25 years, Clarence has built a reputation for the unique and sophisticated offices, ideally located in the legal precincts of Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. But what truly sets Clarence apart is their member services. To find out why over 500 legal practices call Clarence home, you can check out their extremely workable membership options at clarenceprofessionalgroup.com.au. 
Noel Lim. Welcome to Rose Tinted Law, the podcast. How are you? Hey, Rose. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm very excited to have you on because every time I see you, I'm very in awe of how much like progress you've made like personally and professionally and like stepping into this leadership role. So I always learn a lot from you. So I'm excited for today. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so Noel, today you are the CEO of Attica Legal and I've just loved seeing your journey from Monash Law graduate to CEO of Annika. But I wanted to start at the beginning. So when you were at law school, what was your career plan? And then how did you end up working at Annika Legal? Yeah, so I started law school thinking there's a good chance that I was going to be a lawyer. And then by year two, I got a job as a legal secretary and receptionist, got some experience in a law firm and yeah, chose to not become a lawyer. Just didn't think it was for me based on the, the couple of months that I, that I spent in that law firm. And so I was still, I still had three and a half years to go. So I didn't think about it too much until maybe the last year. Did you ever think of giving up or changing degrees then? No, not really. I think halfway through also doing a double degree with arts and law, I thought, no, it's probably worth doing it. And We'll just see what happened. At the time, it seemed like a good general degree to have. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I was I started really thinking about you know, what did I want to do after. And that was when I came onto the, the effective altruism movement. And from there, it really made me see that I wanted to, by what I wanted to do was really contribute to a better world. What is effective altruism and how did you come across it? I came across it because I was reading a book about really like the very first chapter was this hypothetical situation. Imagine that you're walking down a road and there's a shallow pond and in that pond you see a baby and the baby's drowning in the pond and it's very shallow. You can absolutely just step in and save the, save the child but you've got your phone in your pocket, your wallet in your pocket, you're wearing some nice clothes and all that would cost a few thousand dollars and if you went into the pond you would ruin that stuff. Would you save the baby? Of course everyone is like absolutely I would save the baby and from and then I said okay but did you know that you know the cost of doing that, the several thousand dollars, if you donated that to a certain charity or something like that, you would actually be able to save someone's life. And that's about the cost it takes to, to save a life. And so if we if we would save the baby, but we wouldn't donate this money to charity, what's the disconnect? And that's a very confronting hypothetical to be faced with. Very usefully, it just makes you think about, okay, well, what is like what is the reason that I would do one and not the other? And I'm not choosing to go around looking for babies in ponds or, or anything like that. <laughs> what it did make me think about is, okay, what is the role of altruism and contributing to a better society that I want in my life? And so that was when I started looking at the career resources that were in effective altruism. And it just made a really good case that people say to make money, but after a certain point, money's not going to make you that much happier. You only need to make around a certain amount before you it doesn't really improve your quality of life that much. Mm-hmm. People follow your passion, but your passion seems to change every seven or so years. Statistically, that is. So if you're going to go down a path, perhaps thinking that it might actually change, the path might change in seven years, that that might influence where you go. The thing that doesn't change that much is 
a rewarding feeling from helping other people. And that combined with my personal interest in just working on really engaging complex problems set me down this path of, oh, I want to see how I can improve the world as best I can. And that was what gave me the, the motivation to start looking into not social justice at this point, but just helping, um, yeah, helping other people and contributing to society. It was a little bit later on that Annika happened. That was somewhat by accident, but that set me down the social justice path specifically. The Annika story is well known to many of the audience, but in case it's not, and in case you just can't get enough of this success story, <laughs> so how did Annika start and how's that related to your law school journey? Towards the end of law school, I was thinking about all of these things, effective altruism, Big yeah, and you know the pressure's on, right? You, mm-hmm. It's like, all right, you're done with law school. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? And I'd set a couple, a year and a half aside to just travel and do a bit more thinking and soul searching. And Good for you. That's mature. Yeah, I, I, look, more than that, I was, I was also personally just wanting to have a good old hedonistic time and lost some steam after five and a half years of university. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't entirely just, okay, let's do personal development. Uh, <laughs> but it was a big part of it in the end. And I came up with a plan for a career plan based on this 80,000 hours career guide that I found exceptionally insightful. And I had this whole plan, came home, was like, all right, I'm going to chill out for a few months and then I'm going to start. And a couple months in, a friend from university days invited me to a global legal hackathon. Didn't even know what it was and it was hosted at Monash University and I'd spent so much time trying to avoid going into tutorials and stuff that I thought, why do I want to do that? But I also didn't want to see this group of people. So when in, we came up with the idea for Annika, which is a free legal service that provides legal support to people who would otherwise not receive it, powered by law students who want practical opportunities, but can't get it and funded by universities we came up with that idea we pitched it and we and we won and they said okay you're through to the next round uh all right um what do we have to do there we have to make a video all right so we put our heads together make a video that one wins as well and we said all right Um, what's next they said through to the final round we're going to fly you to new york we're going to pitch in this gala and at this point we were very excited uh they flew us there and we pitched and ended up placing runners-up in the world. And Incredible. from there, we had a lot of people telling us, hey, this idea is really smart. It has legs. Uh, have you thought about doing it for real? And that was when we first started thinking about whether we could turn the idea into a reality. And from there, we, as co-founders, decided to give it a crack. And you know, making that decision then, we really had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But looking back, about four four years later, best decision of my life. It's been an extremely challenging but very very thrilling, rewarding few years. And I uh, yeah wouldn't wouldn't do it any other way. So you did go straight from law school to being the CEO of Annika. More or less. Yes. More or less. Yeah. So you didn't do your year and a half travel, did you? I, I did, yeah, yeah. I did oh, you the did? Year. Okay. Well, yeah, so it, it effectively is my first full-time job. That's uh, so epic. I love that so yeah. much. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I have no, I, like, especially when I started, even now, I have these really big gaps in my knowledge of how normal organizations <laughs> run and how, how, the, how shit works. Yeah, I don't know how, like, like how are you supposed to interact with your manager? Like, I don't really know because I, I oh, kind God. of never had one. Uh, but... You know, I had a few jobs at, while I was at university. I, actually, I had one 
in particular, which was at an education technology kind of like startup. And that was a, that, you know, I was the national ops manager there. So that had a little bit of, that, that got me some experience and also translated really well into what we're doing at Annika. So I have had some roles, but this is very much the first full-time one. That's so incredible. So what's the personal growth been for you throughout the last four years and how have you developed your stride and your confidence leading Annika from strength to strength? Yeah, personal development, I would say the biggest of the personal development journey was really just understanding how important and difficult it is to manage yourself. Being able to keep calm during stressful times, keep resilient enough to keep going through the hard times, make good decisions when you're stressed and sad or scared. All of that stuff I've found to be both the most important part as well as the most difficult part. Generally, a lot of the other things that you would, you know, you'd expect a founder CEO to have to do, they seem hard, but if you spend enough time on it, you eventually can learn it. Whereas mm. managing your own self, your own psychology just continues to be a challenge. And I, and I think that is the case for a lot of my colleagues, it, my peers, uh, friends who are also CEOs of organizations. That seems to be number one for a lot of people. I would say that's that's number one. In terms of confidence, that's really a, it, it's a balance because you need the right amount of confidence. We were definitely a little, at times we've absolutely been a little bit brash and probably more often than not, we have lacked the confidence to back ourselves and trust our instincts. It's, it's a hard balance and we're continually figuring it out, but I feel like I'm getting it much more correct these days than I used to four years ago. So that's really, it's encouraging to see that progress and it makes the future a lot brighter. That's so interesting. Are you a legal professional looking for the perfect space to meet with clients, have a beautiful space to work in uninterrupted and have access to a range of services that will help set you apart from the rest? Then our sponsor, Clarence Workplaces, is for you. Clarence is well known for their unique and sophisticated offices, ideally located in the legal precincts of Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. But what truly sets Clarence apart is their member services. Their on-site member services teams are dedicated to help build and grow your business. From welcoming you and your clients to supporting your business operations through IT, marketing and paralegal services, the Clarence team can assist you where and when you need it, helping you focus on what you're good at. To find out more about their extremely workable membership options, ranging from serviced offices to co-working spaces and meeting rooms and virtual offices, head to clarenceprofessionalgroup.com.au. Most people would go into an organization and you're really sheltered at the beginning. You don't have much responsibility. You're told what to do. You see behaviors modeled from the hierarchy that you're in. So what have you done personally to keep yourself in check and be able to handle all of the pressures and the stresses and the good things and the bad things and <laughs> everything in between. What have you done outside of work to manage that? Because that's definitely something I think everyone struggles with yep. or needs to work on consciously. Yeah. I don't know if this one counts, but the number one thing is just to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the thing that I'm always telling myself because you know, when I look back, when was there ever something that we couldn't overcome? Like we, we, we got there in the end. That's why we're here. And as crap as it might be at the time you get through and it's great on the other side 
That's so good. And so that's, I think that's an essential part. You have to really believe that to make it through yes. the hardships. But in terms of all the, you know, the strategies or like the tactics to help you better manage your own psychology and, and these sorts of things, it's all the stuff that you would hear about maintaining good mental health and generally facing into the stuff that's going on inside as uncomfortable as it might be. I had a whole bunch of issues which I didn't fully realize uh, at the start of the journey about feeling quite, um, I guess like in a lot of ways, quite alone as the, as the CEO, you've got a you know, similar role that not, not really no one can understand in the organization. And also feeling just a sense of fearful of a lot of things. And the sooner that I embraced that and you know, accepted it and worked on it, the better my general ability to manage myself became. And in terms of all the other mental health stuff, you know, I probably won't be telling anyone anything new, but it's just all the really basic stuff like yeah. eat well, sleep enough, do the right amount of exercise and yeah. have a good relationship. One thing that has helped me personally has been meditation. I did a Vipassana meditation retreat, which is a 10-day retreat. Earlier. I was going to ask you, do you meditate? <laughs> yeah, so it's been helpful. I used to do somewhere between like 5 and 20 minutes a day. Since doing the meditation, the Vipassana meditation retreat, I do an hour a day. And, yeah, we're still, you know, that's only been about three months. So we'll we'll see how, how this one goes. I'm still thinking about how helpful it is. But so far it's been, it has been very helpful. I can tell. I can tell it's, it's working. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I love meditation. I love it. Yeah. Even if it's not sitting on the ground with your eyes closed, I think finding a meditative activity is one of the most important things to being able to deal with all the stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, mm. I've just been doing like two, two different meditation. I did Japa for 40 days and that's just come to an end. And then I started another eight-week course. So I've had an overlap of a lot of meditation and reflective practices and I'm feeling great. It, it, it is one of the things, I think mindfulness in general is one of those things where it would help pretty much everyone. If everyone mm. just meditated for two minutes a day, I think it would make a significant difference. Yeah. And it's about finding what's right for you as well. Like, I don't like the apps. Like, I don't need someone to tell me what to do when I'm meditating, okay? <laughs> yeah. I like to use mantra and my mala and the mindfulness it has kind of been not enough. I'm like, I need like something to focus on. But yeah, I've been experimenting with different types and love it and would love to do a 10-day retreat one day. Beautiful little tangent there. <laughs> so what is your role like today as CEO of Annika? Definitely very different from what it was like as CEO at the start of Annika, which was yeah. really- do anything and everything yeah and now it is looking closer to you know what i imagine a ceo would do in other organizations but probably still quite a bit more hands-on i would still step into a number of things but i think it's working on you know we we did our first three-year strategic plan uh, which started july Uh, we couldn't have done a one of those before because we hadn't really been around for longer than three years. <laughs> like survive? <laughs> that, yeah, pretty much. Still be here. <laughs> that was the... Uh, Get a few more partnerships. <laughs> yeah. Like, like quite, yeah, quite seriously, that was very much the approach that we had to take in the very early days. But I played a big role in that strategic plan and then now working with the team to operationalize it. And we, I report to the board and I manage my team. I work in each of the different portfolios sort of to the extent that I'm needed. And because my strengths are not so much legal and have been a bit more 
uh, ambassadorial for Annika. I do more of the partnerships and the philanthropy than any of the casework. I took some cases in the early days. I'm yeah. a lawyer, but I don't uh, haven't done that in a little while. And we've got Zoe and Jackie, who are both rock stars as our principal lawyer and head of ops, who are handling that. And so, yeah, look, it, it's not a it's not a very specific answer, but that's because what I do is not very specific. It's a whole <laughs> bunch of different things. That's so good. So do you ever have imposter syndrome? Is that yeah. something you've ever grappled with? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I think I think everyone has, like, a, at least in a few moments. I would say pretty regularly there's something, some daunting thing that I might have to learn to do the next part of my role. And in those, early, like, in the early days of starting to grapple with it, it definitely feels a little bit like... Oh, should I like? Should I really be doing this role? I think someone more qualified or experienced should be doing this, uh, checking my decisions. And then you realize that that has been the case for everything that you, every daunting skill that you've acquired. And <laughs> yes. you realize you just have to put in a lot of a lot of hard work, and it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable for a little while. Yes. And start doing it and it's going to feel more comfortable and at some point it'll feel like everything else so yeah like short answer yes impossible syndrome very real and it starts to become more manageable but i don't see it going away fully yeah 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 my relationships with it's changing because it's been something that i've been it's been coming up a lot on the podcast and now i'm directly asking people about it but i think it's just about harnessing that energy and like, if you're thinking about what you're doing and you're thinking like, oh my God, am I up for this? The thing is you are because you're going outside of your comfort zone, you're growing and that can, that energy can actually be powerful and like make you evolve. You know, you're not just staying in your box, you're pushing yourself and that can be like motivation to grow, to evolve, to step up to the next thing that you do. That's been a nice mindset shift and now I'm very much going to <laughs> spread the word <laughs> and change yeah. the narrative around imposter syndrome in what small way I can. <laughs> yeah. It's something that I definitely see in, you know, I, I have the fortune to work with not just like a small employee team but also this like large volunteer team. And so mm. I've worked and managed, like I would, I would say probably like close to like 100 plus people because volunteers are, you know, coming and going more often than an employee might. Mm. And so I've seen a whole range of different people and their working styles because Annika is this not-for-profit tech startup where we are growing very quickly. If people want responsibility and have what it takes to to do it well, they essentially get it at the organization. Mm. And a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, I really want responsibility. That's part of the reason that I want to volunteer or change jobs. But when you have the responsibility, then you realize it's actually very scary. Uh, And part of that is imposter syndrome because you realize that, oh, should I be making these decisions? And so (laughs) being I've had a front row seat to imposter syndrome, both by observing myself but also my team. Yeah. And the thing that I've learned in hindsight, like that I've realized in hindsight when I've really reflected upon when it has, when I have had that role where I've been like done something or been on a panel or something I'm like I earned the place to be there and like it's not and like you've earned the place to be the CEO and whoever the volunteers are who step up to go into the communications or go into the product development or whatever it is that's their hard work that's their passion that's their their hustle you know to get there so yeah yeah exactly and 
you know, it keeps coming back to what I try to sell my team, which is just keep going. You deserve to be here. You put in the hard work. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever fallen victim to the tall poppy syndrome? No, not too bad, I think. Maybe things that uh, I, that I'm not hearing, but yeah. it, ha- it hasn't, yeah, I haven't noticed it to be to be too bad. I think no worth mentioning. So they're probably testament to the people around me. I feel very grateful. That's good. That's good because you are a tall poppy. I'm reclaiming that too. You don't, you want to like support people. And that is, I think that is a testament to be honest to the Annika team and why your energy is so in, like amazing. And there's so much like goodwill and everyone wants to support you guys because it is so incredible that you just like got this amazing group of like super, super switched on law students. And then you're just like, you know what? Yeah, we can do this and we will do it. And we're doing it amazingly because, you know, sometimes like the mindset of like other law students is like, nee, 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 you know, like that kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. I, to do with that. Having hiring decisions, recruitment decisions has always been one of the most important ones, ones that I take most seriously. And you know, that is part of the reason why. Uh, because mm. you, know, you, want, you want to have a facilitative team and a supportive team. Yeah, totally, totally. Would you say law is about who you know or what you know? So I can only speak to the sector that I'm in. I haven't done much by way of private law. I, I can definitely see it being both, but... Yeah, it's undeniable that who you know is a part of it, and like I, I think that's just the I think that's just the way it goes. I don't like you know comparative to other sectors of private law. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, last two questions. What is your advice to others aspiring to follow in your fabulous shoes? Yeah, so the, I usually give the piece of advice of really know the reason that you want to do it because it's going to be harder than you ever imagined. Well, it's the first time it's going to be harder than you ever imagined. And only a true, like the right pure motivation of wanting to do it for the right reasons will be helpful to getting you through. So what I'm actually contemplating doing is starting to post a few of my experiences on LinkedIn because I've had, I realized that I have had quite a rare journey Mm. where 90% 90% of startups fail or something like that. A very small proportion of them are not-for-profits or social enterprises. So to be a founder CEO of one is not a, yeah, it's not a journey that everyone goes on, nor is it one that I think there are a lot of very like realistic accounts of. And so yeah. sharing some of my experiences, like the wins, but a lot of the hard times is something that I'm thinking about. So mm. maybe follow me on LinkedIn if you're interested in that to see the realities of it and then mm-hmm judge whether the reasons that you have uh, for doing it in the first place are are the right ones. I will say that if I knew how hard it was going to be at the start, I don't know if I would have done it in the first place. So (laughs) That is such an entrepreneur's (laughs) (laughs) reflection. (laughs) Yeah, it's like when you can only see sort of like, you know, it's sort of like you can only see you're you're driving and there's headlights, but there's fog everywhere. And you can only see to the end of your headlights, but that's okay because that's all you need to see to get to the end of the road. And I think that's in some ways that's helpful. Final question. What do you wish you could tell your younger self? It's it's also what I still tell myself currently, which is like, it's all going to be all right. It's all going <laughs> to work out. Don't stress out too much. Like you're still going to have to put in the hard work. You're still going to have to do all the stuff. And at times it's going to suck, but it will be all right. And just at, at the least, try not to stress about it. If you can, try and enjoy it because at some point, you'll look back and those will be the good old days. And you know, right now, these are the good old days. We just don't know it yet. That's such a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rose. Always a pleasure. Oh, 
I hope you loved that episode as much as I did. Now, there are two things you can do today to help me spread the rose-tinted law message. The first thing I kindly ask is that you share this episode with just one person in your network who you think may benefit from Noel's advice. That person might be considering a career in social justice or advocacy or might just be trying to figure out their unique place in our profession. The second thing I kindly ask is that you like, subscribe, follow me on whichever platform you are listening to this from and please follow my socials Rose Tinted Law on Instagram and LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy listening to this honest conversation and it helps open your eyes to the limitless possibilities as to where your legal career may take you. Thank you.